Welcome to a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand to answer your questions on the Friday edition before Sunday games. You can send questions on Twitter or x.com if you prefer to call it, or startribune.com where our email addresses are listed. It's our full names with a dot in the middle. Uh, you guys can figure that out, certainly if you follow us on Twitter. Um, let's start here. And ask uh, Joel. I think this is. I think this is Ben's buddy Joel. Yep. Ask the Vikings have run two very different de- defenses the last two games. Yeah, this is Joel going very game plan specific, which is likely to continue. Do you think that has something to do with why Lewis Seen is behind Theo Jackson now? When Josh Metellus got hurt in Philadelphia, he's referencing Theo Jackson coming in, having the moment where he gives up the touchdown, but then also intercepting Jalen Hurts. Yeah as Lewis Seen watched all of that from the sideline? Uh, no, I don't think that's game plan specific. I I think they are changing defenses for game plan specific reasons. I mean, Brian Flores talked about that in the offseason, that they're going to do more of that. But no, I, I do not think that Lewis Seen is uh, sort of lost in the, in the wind of that. I, I mean, we've seen it through training camp. We've seen it through the preseason that they have guys ahead of him on the safety depth chart. And I think they are still kind of waiting for him to do the things that they want to see to kind of vault over those guys. I, I think they, it's just a matter of, you know, showing he can handle more of the defense and see, showing them what they want to see in practice. And obviously we can't evaluate that at this point of the year. Now the practices are, other than stretching periods, basically closed to the media. But, you know, what, that's what we saw in training camp. I think it has followed where that went. So no, I I think it's a larger um, statement, I guess, about how they view their safety depth chart than it is that they thought Theo Jackson was a better fit for that game plan. Yeah, and even I think even looking um, into the reasoning why uh, scene might be so far down, it is in part because they ask these guys to do so much. Yeah, because it's going to change week to week. It's not going to be the Ed Donatel stay in one spot in your deep two and try to just focus all your effort on disguising what you're going to drop into. And it's play to play. There's so many checks built yeah. into the defense at the line of scrimmage too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's like the, they can have so much on their plate in terms of what to handle before the snap, what they're handling in, a, in the middle of a game. Um, and frankly, we've seen seen only play in that deep safety role when we had practices open, yep. they didn't move him up to the line of scrimmage, didn't play him in the slot, didn't play him at, at the linebacker spot and coaches will only, put those guys in that spot if they show in the classroom periods walkthroughs that they can handle it and so you can extrapolate that Lewis Seen is not able to handle a wide role at this point of his career and so the variation of game plans could point out the fact that hey that Brian Flores clearly doesn't feel comfortable putting a first round pick out there who might be asked to do a lot before we attach the bust label to him though I I think I would say this keep an eye on what happens after this year? Because if yeah. they view him as the heir apparent to Harrison Smith, and now Harrison Smith plays in a lot of different places, it's not just, okay, deep safety all the time. But if that is their thought process, or the hope is that he can grow into a spot where they trust him to do that and they feel like they can make that move, uh, I think that could still be a an avenue for him to – get somewhere with it was he on a better trajectory before he got hurt or does this kind of go back to last year where he was struggling to 
find the field even before that. If I remember, he got on the field for like two defensive snaps, and it was as a quarter, like it was in like a third and 30 situation yeah. or something where he was like the sixth or seventh defensive yeah. back. Um, yeah, I so, don't think it was much more than so. The, so this is not like, has been above him his entire time. So yep, this yep. isn't like he's having a hard time come back physically. This is he's still something some level of processing is not there yet. Yeah, or trust from the coaching staff. Yeah. I think is is fair to say because if they trusted him, they'd put him out there more in these situations. And I remember talking to Durante Jones this summer, and he said that you know this guy's faster than any other safety we've got. Yeah, and if they physically got, he's. He's got all the tools. Yeah, and if they've got that weapon, you would think they'd want to use it somehow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, Especially and, with a team that basically – their base defense is almost a three-safety nickel package. You yeah. can make that argument. So, yeah, and so whether it's – it's because you're, you're absolutely right. And and so they would want to use a guy like that. But clearly, Metellus has outperformed him in the classroom, on the fields, being reliable, which always goes farther – to coaches, um, many coaches, than than first round label, and we got to get this guy on the field. Um, all right, let's transition to another. One question. other quick oh, note okay. to to tack on what you said there. We probably overemphasize who flashes in training camp, who makes a splash play here and there. Coaches are not looking at that. It's can you be consistent? Can I count on you to do the same things and not make mental mistakes, not have busts in coverage? Can you do that stuff every day? I mean, that. I mean, I remember talking to Durante Jones about a Caleb Evans this summer, and I said, "What has gotten him to the point where he's moved up the depth chart?" And the first thing out of his mouth, almost before I finished the question, was consistency. So that stuff is, if you're out of training camp next summer, and and it's less sexy, but watch for that stuff because it probably gives you a better idea of who is moving up the depth chart, so to speak, than just a flash play here or there. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Uh, Eric Vikes fan wants to know if the Vikings get to one in five, is it possible they become sellers at the deadline, potentially looking to move guys? <laughs> Second question. Anybody, Love anybody it. have in mind? With some value, get a look at younger players the rest of the season. He says it seems like the, quote, analytical move. Um, it does. Yeah, it'd be easier to sell them on your fantasy team than than currently on the, if you're the Vikings. Don't have a no office. trade clause in the fantasy team. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. So, um, yeah, at that point, they they just made a move that indicates they're not looking to be sellers in terms of signing Dalton. Rice. Not planning to be sellers. Planning. Yeah, they're, they're not, not trying. They're not tanking. We know that it would probably won 13 games last year. It would probably take though what a one in six one in five. It would have they, to they, take. There's them. eight games before the trade deadline. Okay, so there I, could be. Believe s- me, I've mapped this out. <laughs> so, so, Mike, gotta, what is what is your path to sellership if you're the Minnesota Vikings? I'm like, I'm like the guy up here right now with all the equations and all the <laughs> yes, the gif gotta, with all of the yes, yeah, so, or, or yeah, the strings, and I'm like attaching it all. I don't know. I mean, it. We're having this conversation early because they're zero and two, and let's be honest, because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Because there's a team out there. That, oh, is that who we're talking about? I mean, yes, obviously. I mean, to Neil Hunter, oh, too. Okay. okay. But they I have, wasn't sure. They have two high-priced veterans on expiring contracts, and there is a team out there 
that Kirk Cousins would fit very nicely into for one year. Aaron Rodgers is under contract for 2024. As much as he might like to think he's coming back from an Achilles injury in four months at age 40, I don't think that's going to happen. So You're not listening to the sounds of Dolphins hitting? <laughs> I'm not. Okay. So... But Kirk Cousins, he has a base salary either, of like record. he has a base salary of like ten million dollars this year. Like the Jets have ten million dollars in cap space, they could bring in Kirk Cousins at the trade deadline. It would work. That would work if Kirk said yes. If Kirk said yes, but Kirk is an impending free agent. If they had come to Kirk and say, "Yeah, it didn't work this year," and "Yeah, this is it," he might say yes if he has a chance to win there. I don't know. I don't think it's the money matches up. I don't know if the fit matches up, but if they get to one and six, one and seven, two and six, I could absolutely see them trading people. I don't know if they're going to trade Kirk Cousins. I could see them trading Hunter very easily. Kirk did get an offer from the Jets yes, in 2018, which is why everybody's connecting this. A bigger this is offer. A different. A bigger offer. Yeah, right? it's a different regime, obviously. Yes. But the thing I would say is, if in this world where they end up, you know, heading towards the top ten in the draft, mm-hmm. I I do think that would move them more in the direction of let's capitalize on the fact that we are picking this high and use that pick on a quarterback because I know a lot of their thought process is we aren't going to take a guy just to take one. We saw right. this last year. Right. We saw it with Will Levis. We saw it with Hendon Hooker that they both passed on and said, no, even though we have a future needed quarterback – we're not taking one right here because we don't think this guy is ready or is worth the mantle of being the quote-unquote next guy, capital N, capital G. They are not going to take one in the first round unless they think that person is worthy of it. And I also think that they know you have to draft high to get the guy that everybody says, okay, yes, this can be the next guy, no doubt about it. If they're not in tank mode for multiple years if they don't plan to be picking high very often and they did end up in that spot i i do think that becomes a bigger priority for them to say let's maximize this and let's go hard after a quarterback when we are picking at this point in the draft and maybe that means you have to move up to two or one or whatever you have to consider those things if you're picking eighth. And, so, And how better to get a better pick than to trade away your best players at the deadline? Well, Cause sure. Because then, then you're not going to win as many games in the second half of the sure. year. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think independent of the Kirk thing, maybe not independent of it because it, it does help you do that, but if they, however they would get there, I guess I'd say it that way, if they got to a point in December, January where it's like, boy, they're going to be picking sixth, seventh, I would think there would be a flashing red light of let's use this opportunity in a good quarterback draft to find that guy let's not be the team that says okay we'll we'll bring a veteran back we'll use it on something else i i think that would definitely be a spot where this regime would say quarterback now quarterbacks um that would make a lot of sense yeah if if they get to that point now that's that's a We're big ways from that, but and it's a big and, path to that point. And yeah. their post deadline schedule does get somewhat easier. Yes, there's it there's does. a spot in their schedule where you look at four or five games in a row, and you're like, okay, they could do some damage there. There's a Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears running. Yeah, in that's, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. So yep. even if they're three and five, they might say, hey, we could still get hot. We can go on a run. We could be six and six or seven and five and give ourselves a chance in this division. So I think they 
that's more likely. I just think it's interesting to think about because some of these things. Ten games wins the division, right? Yes, I, I mean, think so. I think that's everybody's kind of, got we- everybody's yeah. got weaknesses, even yeah. if they've played okay some sometimes. For the Jets what share? Either. Yeah, what share of of the running game do you put on Madison, if any? Because in turn, you, Ben, you brought up the low volume, it's a low efficiency. We talked about the the inability to block still. Um, His efficiency numbers, believe it or not, are actually not bad. Madison's? Yeah. Um, so that's you, a very small sample, but no, I, I put a lot of it on the line. He's had big games in the past when Cook's been hurt, right? Like they showed a stat, I think, during the – might have been during the Philadelphia game where it's like Cook's been out. He's had like 120 all-purpose yards or 140. Like he's had a lot of good games. So I tend to think it's on the blocking more than anything, but Madison's also not entirely new to this – game i don't know if he's you know there's not a lot of wear and tear on him compared to dalvin cook but he's not exactly a 22 year old bursting through those holes either yeah i think i just think he's the kind of back who needs more of a runway to get him going he's not the kind of back who's going to dodge three people to make it a a one yard gain like we did see dalvin cook do at times last year where even though you we could chart easily the zero ones and two yard gains a lot of times he's making that from a negative three you know where he's getting hit way back there and i I think Madison shows himself when he gets into the screens, gets into the swing pass for a touchdown like he did against Tampa. He can show that he still has the power to fight through people and fall forward. It's just they're giving him no chance up front. The one fumble um, in Philly, I thought it was just sloppy execution, but Schlopman just got annihilated. He was like driven like four yards backward into the exchange with Kirk and the running back. And that's the, what are you supposed to do if you're the running back at that point? Um or Kirk at that point. Uh, Kirk has taken 19 hits over these first two games, including four sacks. You're averaging nine and a half hits a game on your quarterback. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty rough on him uh, right now. And that running game, I wouldn't put too much of it, certainly on Madison. Better trade Kirk before he's out for the year. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Uh, Nathan wants to know, you guys are just really positive after an 0-2 start. How long is Quasey's leash? His hit rate moves are distressingly low. The 2022 draft trades for vets besides TJ Hawkinson, the inability to reinforce the O-line. This was clearly sent before Dalton Reisner arrived because the horns are still blaring uh, at at, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium for the arrival of Dalton Reisner. Um, But, Ben, what do you think of Kwesi's start? And Kwesi mentioned it last time he spoke that these things are a portfolio. You have to judge those decisions within the portfolio. Um, he needs some more hits in that portfolio, though. Yeah, there have not been a lot. I mean, I, I suppose you'd call the Hawkinson trade a hit. I think you would say uh, the Jordan Addison pick yeah, looks a like pick. a hit yeah. at this point. Pretty good so far. Um, it's hard to slow him down. The 20... That <laughs> well, one almost got by me. You almost got that one in there too fast. <laughs> um, the 2022 draft terrible is not looking great his picks like picks in like the fourth through seventh rounds were big were better than his picks in the first three rounds uh, yeah i mean it, that's a bit of the rick spielman story at times too i mean uh yeah i i think i don't have any reason to think that the leash is getting short knowing that this has been a fairly patient ownership group um but yeah he he could use a few of these guys where he could say awesome. that was my guy Awesome was the real mystery. Yeah. Where is he? What's yeah. up? Yeah, Ivan Pace is just Ivan taking Pace that job. Outpaced him. I thought it was interesting last week when Brian Flores was asked about when it, when could you tell with this guy Ivan Pace that he could be a real contributor for you. Um, Flores went all the way back to the Senior Bowl. He said when we were scouting him back in January. So 
you can just tell this is his guy. This yeah. is yeah. Flores' yep. guy. Yep. And yeah. sorry, um, Quasi, but the defenders you drafted and under the guidance of Ed Donatel, Mike Pettin, mm-hmm. and everybody in 2022, that's not what's working Those out. Those are not right my guys. For Brian Flores. And we've seen that before with Flores in, in Miami and certainly some – uh, high draft picks. Remember Minka Fitzpatrick? That didn't work out there because he didn't like the varied roles that they had him in. He wanted to play oh, yeah. just yeah. safety. And guess he what? And Chris Greer had some coming to ahead on that in some ways. Yeah, and and guess what happened? He gets shipped out of town. It's Brian yeah. Flores' way. So um, I just think Pace is that guy. And they were fortunate, the Vikings were, that they could replace a third-round pick so easily in the pipeline, seemingly, because I thought Pace has played pretty well. Um, but you're right. Asamoa has been a, a non-factor. We might be talking about Ingram getting benched here. Uh, and Andrew Booth. Booth scene. I mean, they're yeah. top four picks in three rounds, not getting much from any of them. Yeah, Caleb Evans is – probably playing more than any of them yes. right now. Yes, and then something in the like fifth or sixth round guys. I feel like they've had a couple of those guys have played too, but can't remember exactly who right now. I thought you still had the page open. None, none of the extra guards, though, that yeah, we're going to to play next year's edition of Name That Guard. Uh, they don't have any more guards. Ty Chandler. Come, come, Ty Chandler. Come there you go. the pipeline. Jalen Naylor. Um, all right, that'll be it for this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. Go out for track football player. <laughs>